Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined again, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How's it going with you? Going well, going well. It's good, just, good. Uh, you know, it's it's still that early off-season feeling, still trying to get used to not setting lineups and, uh, you know, not watching the news quite as closely, but more focused on my teams and trades and this rookie class and all those fun things. Yeah, absolutely. And after our last one, it sounds like we uh, drummed up a lot of trades around the world, too. You know, people started to get excited and get out there and make offers, and it's good stuff. Yeah, I know. Dwayne, Dwayne motivated me to send out some offers, <laughs> uh, and, and it sounds like that was the case with a lot of our listeners as well. So that, that's always a fun thing, though, talking trade. More active, the better. Uh, exactly. We've, we've got a topic that's maybe not quite as fun today, but it's certainly important. Um, we're going to talk about injuries. Um, we've got uh, the dynasty doctor, Dr. Scott Peake from DLF. Scott, how are you doing? Uh, doing well. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if, you've, if you guys have followed Scott's work at DLF or on Twitter, uh, you probably know he is, uh, of course, a doctor and he, he's a medical expert and keeps up with all of these injuries and, and these injured players for us over there at DLF does a great job with that. So we appreciate that. And, and we're going to get his insight into some of the key players who have suffered some injuries uh, throughout the past season. Scott, before we do that, though, I know, uh, I know you've been suffering a little bit as well, maybe not with an injury, but suffering with uh, suffering as a Chargers fan. Uh, it was it was a tough year for the Chargers. I know you're a big Chargers fan out there in Southern California. So before we get to some of these injured players, I just want to talk a little Chargers with you and, and get your insight as as a fan. Um, and that can certainly be beneficial to all dynasty owners. I think between the potential move, the head coaching change, uh, some players, you know, growing older and, and maybe even hanging it up potentially. This, I think this is a really interesting team to follow this offseason. I guess in general, what are your thoughts on the team? What's kind of the feeling out there? I think there's a um, – from a Chargers fan perspective, I think that there's, there's two ways I look at this. There's the Chargers in terms of uh, – likelihood of competing for playoff position and and titles in terms of nfl performance and then of course fantasy value um i think uh, from a fantasy lens i think that uh, as long as philip rivers is starting it on two feet i think they're going to have uh value and i think it's going to be fertile soil for fantasy production um now i know there's a coaching change that mike mccoy's out but a lot of that's going to depend upon who the new head coach is. And, and obviously that's still pending. I think that'll be a big factor, but I still think that there's a lot of fertile fantasy soil here and is especially dependent on Philip Rivers. Now, if you're talking about uh, likelihood of NFL of success in the NFL, which obviously is a, a whole different topic for a, probably a different podcast. Um, you know, I think I think the Chargers organization has poor leadership from the top. I think it's been that way for years, and uh, I think it permeates into the locker room and it uh, it adversely impacts their ability to finish games, which has been a problem since 2006. If anybody remembers the debacle in the playoff game against the New England Patriots in 2006, the infl- infamous Marlon McCree, you know, interception that became a fumble. Um, that that play alone, right there, typifies the frustration of Chargers fans. I think around the the, the world, really, if there's that many of them left. <laughs> Scott, I'm curious. I mean, I, I thought, yeah, they lost a lot of close games, but they've also been hit really hard with injuries the last two years. I thought they were really well coordinated on both sides of the ball. Would you have made a coaching change? Um. I don't, I don't think so. Um, in other words, I don't think that the coaching change is going to make a difference in terms of their success on the field. Um, I think the Chargers, you know, if you go back historically, they've, ha- they've dealt with injuries every year. I mean, it's been a, a chronic problem. I don't know if there's something going on with their training staff. I don't know if uh, playing in Southern California in 70-degree weather all the time has impacted their – Makes them uh, soft. I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> it's – it's obviously not a normal training environment, you know, with anybody who's lived in San Diego and realizes that it's 70 degrees almost like 11 months out of 12 months a year. Um, 
they, they've they've lo- had a long-standing issue with injuries that dates back years, and I think it's always been a problem. Um, they've never been able to close games. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the ownership setting a, a a largely negative tone with players. You know, whether it's AJ Smith and his hard negotiating style. I mean, I've heard comments from agents that AJ Smith was, you know, not. The, their most favorite person to negotiate with. We saw what he did with Antonio Gates in, in his prime and negotiated with him in a very harsh way. Um, and, you know, we've seen disc, discord dating back to Bobby Beathard versus Boss Ross, uh, Bobby Ross. Um, and then more recently, Tom Telesco with Joey Bosa. Uh, we saw what kind of impact player Joey Bosa is on the field. And yet, you know, he's one of the few players who actually held out, one of the few rookies who held out with the new CBA. And, you know, I think that that goes over poorly in the locker room. Well, Scott, unfortunately, we'll let you deal with the, I guess, the real life uh, fandom of the Chargers. And we'll just we'll just enjoy the the dynasty goodness that there is on that team. Uh, Let's start and and talk a little bit about Tyrell Williams. Of course, uh, he he enjoyed a breakout season this year with the injury to uh, the injury to Allen, really, I think, boosting his stock. Um, is Williams a guy that can keep it up once Allen returns? Um, I think, I think he can. Um, I, I think one of the, I think Tyra Williams is probably one of the most underappreciated players, um, from a dynasty lens. Um, you know, the guy had probably the most quiet 1000 yard season in the NFL last year, the guy had 69 receptions over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. And if you look at Keenan Allen's numbers, that basically replicates his best year, which was his first year when he had 71 receptions for 1,046 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, if you look at Williams ADP, it's about fifth round, um, whereas Keenan Allen is, you know, first or second. Um, I think he may be the better overall value from a dynasty lens. And like I said, as long as Philip Rivers is on two feet, I think he's going to have value and he's probably going to eat into Keenan Allen's production. Scott, along those lines, I mean, do you think receivers going to be high on their, their priority list for the off season? I mean, to be very honest, from a big picture perspective, I'd love to see him get a big time safety and it's supposed to be a great safety class and reinforce the offensive line, but they might be able to make some luxury picks here and there more so than most years. Do you think they address receiver with a second or third round pick or not? It's possible, although they, you know, obviously have Travis Benjamin, who they right. gave a fair amount of money to. Is Stevie Johnson going to get cut? Um, I guess we'll have to see. Him. Well, yeah, with the with the coaching change, I think it's I think it's certainly possible. Um, you know, we'll we'll have to see how that situation shakes out. I think it's possible they could go with a wide receiver in in the draft. But as you said, they have, I think, much bigger needs, you know, at safety. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I think they could always use help on the offensive line. I'd love to see that. They, they've had a history of neglecting the offensive line in the draft. Um, they did get DJ Fluker. Um, but, you know, I, I think they do have – they could use some extra offensive line help as well. And you know, um, even a pass rushing linebacker. Um, you know, you can never have too many of those. So I'd be surprised if they use significant draft capital on a wide receiver. They also need probably somebody to run alongside Melvin Gordon, too. So what about the tight end position? Of course, they've got Antonio Gates, who uh, tied the NFL record for tight ends with receiving touchdowns in that last week of the season. Couldn't get the last one to break uh, Tony Gonzalez's record. It sounds like he's going to be back or he wants to play again. They also have Hunter Henry, their rookie from last year, who had such a productive season. And there's already been, you know, I guess reports that they want to feature him more. So will Gates be back? Is Gates still the starter? What What are your thinking? What's your thinking there? Well, I think Gates will be back. I think he's already even said that as much. But, and again, a lot of this is going to be predicated on who the new head coach is. Um, Obviously, the GM, Tom Telesco, is still in place, so you'd have to think that he wants Hunter Henry to have a prominent role. Um, Having said that, um, I think Gates had a better fantasy season than most people think. Um, You know, when you look at it early in the season, he was injured. He had a hamstring injury that 
uh, he admitted that that affected his performance. He is up there in age, so he's not going to be his recovery from that is going to take a little bit longer. Uh, but when you look at uh, Antonio Gates overall, he finished as the tight end 12 in PPR. Uh, that's not too bad. Um, and then in a landscape of tight ends where it's very hard to predict who's going to give you production on a week-to-week basis, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, I think the problem with Gates um, is that he wasn't reaching that high-level production that we're used to. If you look from weeks 9 to 17, he was actually the tight end 7. So I think the injury slowed him down earlier in the year. Um, and I think as he got better, um, you know, toward the second half of the season, he started to heat up a bit and did, you know, perform much better. And when you look at his ADP, he's super cheap right now. I mean, I think he was taken at the end of the most recent uh, DLF uh, mock draft that you hold, Ryan. Scott, I mean, in two or three years, do you think Henry has the talents to be a top five dynasty tight end absolutely yeah. i do too yeah yeah i mean i'm excited about him i think he's got an exciting future you know i think again rivers is an excellent quarterback and i think he's always loved throwing to the tight end so i think uh, hunter has a talent to be successful and if you look i mean the the production that hunter henry gave especially in the first half of the season before he got hurt um was pretty good for a, a rookie tight end i mean not many rookie tight ends were as productive as he was. I mean, the guy put up eight touchdowns. That's pretty solid. I think just from a ranking standpoint, or if you want to talk ADP, I think Henry might already be in that uh, top five tight end discussion. You know, of course you have Gronk and, and uh, Travis Kelsey had such a great year. Uh, Most people still value Tyler Eifert up there, including myself. It's pretty wide open after that. Jordan Reed would probably be next, but then I think you could, make a case for for Hunter Henry next maybe even over a veteran like Greg Olson yeah I totally agree with that I I was kind of talking about a top five week-to-week performer you know right statistically I didn't say that word very well Well, one one other factor to put throw in there if I could is I think Gates might eat into Henry's production next year so it's very possible by the end of 2017 uh, his Hunter Henry may be available at a better price Yeah, that's a good point. Let's keep the Chargers talk going as we transition into our main topic today, which which is uh, an injury update. So, uh, Scott, you're just going to uh, talk a little bit about some some key players who were injured. Uh, I'll share their current ADP. This is their brand new January ADP. It hasn't been released yet, but it it will be soon. Um, So let's stick with the Chargers and talk about Keenan Allen. Yeah, so we know Allen uh, obviously tore an ACL on a non-contact injury, uh, non-contact injury, and you know about seventy percent of ACL tear, tears are actually without contact; they're non-contact injuries. Um, it has to do with the way the lower extremity lands. Uh, it's called a hypervalgus landing, but it puts uh, an extra load on the ACL and tears it. Um, you know, it seems like his rehab is going well, and uh, you know he's already sprinting. Um, and there's already been reports that he should be ready for OTAs. Um, I think from that standpoint, it's an injury that he should be able to return from. Um, and I'm you know, optimistic about his ability to get back on the field. Um, now, of course, he's only played nine games in two seasons, so his dynasty value has been suppressed. Um, he is, I think, available at a discount. And in a league where Matt and I are both in, I, I, I traded uh, Kelvin Benjamin for Allen at a third-round rookie pick. Um, that's so I, yeah, I was pretty happy. With it. <laughs> <laughs> so to tell you, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm targeting him. I'm targeting him in trades. Um, but you know, I think his value his current price point relative to Tyrell Williams is an interesting point of discussion though. So I think, you know, the amazing thing about Allen to me is it, he's had these two season-ending injuries back-to-back, and his his value, at least according to our ADP, has been largely unaffected. I, I do think his trade value, uh, like you mentioned, Scott, I, I don't know if you made that deal earlier in the season. That that would be my assumption that maybe you made that soon after the injury. I'm, I traded away Allen on a contending team uh, in a similar situation. But – uh, so his trade value, I think, has maybe been affected. His ADP is basically 
maintained that mid-second to even late first-round range. Right now, his January ADP is 20th overall. Uh, he's in front of Alshon Jeffrey. He's in front of uh, Demarius Thomas, Stefan Diggs, uh, just for a point of reference. So despite these two pretty serious injuries uh, that are very different from each other, the, the ACL and, and the uh, internal, I believe it was a lung injury uh, or kidney injury maybe, he's maintaining his value. Yeah, he has. And, you know, he's even being uh, drafted ahead of AJ green. And um, I think I'd still rather have green. Um, and yeah. So, and, and the, when you look at it, a lot of people look at him as like kind of a PPR stud, but, and not to be negative here, but the most receptions he's ever had in his career is 71. So, you know, he hasn't even come close to the hundred, the magical 100 reception mark. So, um, Allen, I think, might be a little bit overrated um, by the dynasty community. I think if you can get him at a discounted price, like I think I did um, in that one trade I mentioned, um, I think he's worth getting. But I do think that Tyrell Williams is going to impact his production next year. Okay, so you're not concerned about health. You're more concerned about Williams. Yes. So from a medical standpoint, would it worry you more if he was – speed reliant Deshaun Jackson type or something like that. I mean, he's such a technician. He never really is a great separator anyways. You know, if he loses a fraction of his explosion, I'm not sure that it hurts him as bad as others. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not as, I'm not really worried about it in terms of the, I guess the skill set. Yeah. He's never been a burner. Um, You know, I think his ability to, you know, get off the line, explode off the line shouldn't be impacted um, as long as he comes back, you know, fine from the ACL. So I'm not concerned in terms of the style of receiver that he is, um, you know, his ability to hold up, I guess we'll find out, but um, I, I, he should be able to return back to his, his previous performance. So I would think barring some kind of uh, additional setback or injury. All right, let's move on and talk about uh, another superstar who suffered uh, a season-ending injury. We've got tight end Rob Gronkowski of the Patriots. Of course, he has a lengthy injury history. Um, what's what's the concern with the back, Scott? Well, he's had um, a couple recurrences of lumbar disc herniations. Um, and kind of dating back to college, this has been a recurrent theme for him. Um you know, once you have a, a disc herniation, it, the, the dynamics of your spine in terms of the flexibility of it are not the same. And the ability to weight bear is not the same. It's, what do I mean by that? It's, when you think of the way your spinal column is organized, there's vertebral bodies that are stacked on top of each other and in between are discs. And those discs have water content and they're bouncy. Um, and so whenever you have any kind of force applied, that force is applied going down your spinal column. And those discs, when you're younger, are supposed to be symmetric, plump, nice and bouncy, right? They absorb the force and distribute it evenly along the spine. Once you have a disc herniation, what happens basically is the disc will extravasate some of that material out, and then the disc becomes flatter. It becomes more asymmetric, and then the ability to distribute force to the spine is not, you know, symmetric. And that creates a lot of other problems. And um, furthermore, um, the disc is subject, if it's, if it's herniated once, it can herniate again. Um, now, the risk of recurrent herniation, the data is not perfect, but it never really is in, in, in these situations. Um, there's usually about a 5 to 15% chance of recurrent herniation based on available literature. Um, and the surgical approaches nowadays are non-invasive uh, or limited invasiveness. They're not non-invasive, but limited invasiveness. And that's what a microdiscectomy is, where they kind of go in using, instead of making a big incision, they make small incisions and they use like, you know, arthroscopic, um, you, know, t- you know, devices to go in and actually shave off the disc that's impinging on the nerve. Um, and so that facilitates recovery faster. Um, and, you know, it's the day after his surgery, his most recent surgery, they showed him walking with a walker in the hallway. So, I mean, you know, 20 years ago, if you were getting a standard open surgery, that wouldn't happen. Um, that also gets him to rehab faster and hence on the field quicker. 
Now, the thing is, he's had two recurrences of lumbar disc herniation, so that has to be a concern. Um, there are data out there that uh, describe the average career length after a first lumbar disc recurrence of herniation of three to four years. So back when he had his original, you know, recurrence of disc herniation in 2013, that would be three to four years from there. Um, now, you know, obviously he's coming off his second recurrence. There's no data on, you know, a second lumbar disc herniation, so it's somewhat of a gray zone. Um, personally, I think he's as cheap as he's ever been. And from a dynasty lens, you know, knowing the ADP that you're about to share, I think he's uh, at a pretty good price point right now, and I'd be looking to acquire him. So you're still comfortable buying him um, as a second or third round startup pick, even with these with these back injuries? Yeah, I'm I'm comfortable uh, picking him, you know, at a third round ADP. He's he's. Uh, I think that there are players going behind him that I'd rather have, uh, but I think that the price point is still at a discount relative to his production. The one factor here, though, is um, you know all of his guaranteed money has been paid, right? So it's conceivable. I'm not a cap guy, but I mean, if all of his guaranteed money has been paid and his, sign his signing bonus has been paid, then that does give the, I think the Patriots some flexibility to get out of his contract. I don't think they would ever cut him, but you know, if he doesn't end up back with the Patriots in 2017, that might change my opinion. Sure. Scott, I got a question. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening that have had back issues and you know, there's a common saying that there's no such thing as I used to have back problems, you know, like once you have them, you have them forever and they don't heal. Do you think that's the case with these athletes that are not like me and you and, and Gronkowski specifically, do you know if it's the same situation at what that was coming out of Arizona? You know, why he dropped in the draft? Is it, you know, a different part of his back or do you know the specifics of that? I don't know the specifics of whether it was the same level or not. I heard some chatter that it might be, um, but the Patriots are not going to be too willing to share right. details. Um, you know, I think whenever you have a history of a lumbar disc herniation, uh, like I said, the, the dynamics of force applied to the spine especially in an athletic population where these guys are jumping, you know, constantly, they're constantly subject to force. So if you're an offensive lineman, you're pushing against each other um, and you're putting stress on your back. Your back basically supports a lot of that weight um, and force. Um, and so if that force isn't distributed evenly, um, you're subjecting, you know, the, you're creating that risk of, of, a, of a disc herniation occurring. And, um, you know, especially above, above and below the herniated disc, there's a higher risk of those, you know, health, previously healthy discs herniating, primarily because the, the way force is carried through the spine is altered and the, the previously herniated disc isn't able to carry as much of the load and then that stresses the levels above and below and puts, you know, increases the likelihood of a disc herniation occurring at, you know, another level. And I think those are the problems that Gronk is dealing with. Um, and, you know, I think from a dynasty perspective, it's going to be hard to predict wh when the next herniation is going to occur. I do think that his career is probably going to be short. Um, well, he, I don't think he's, I don't expect him to be an Antonio Gates playing to, uh, through his mid-30s. Gotcha. So you would still have Gronk as your number one overall tight end, though, ahead of Kelsey and, and some of these other guys we've mentioned? You know, I might rather have Kelsey. Okay, that's, that might be another factoring in the value. So Gronkowski's ADP is 23. He's right at the end of that second round, and then Kelsey's is uh, 40. So, yeah, I mean, if they're, if they're that close head-to-head, -head, then wait, you know, wait around and take Travis Kelsey maybe. I would in that situation. All right, for our next, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to group a couple guys together. Uh, it seems like – you know, this year more than than ever before, we saw these late season injuries really have a major impact, and of course that affects uh, off seasons and and OTAs and training camps and everything else. Um, but a pair of quarterbacks suffered uh, some some serious leg injuries. Of course, Marcus Mariota, D uh, Derek Carr, both of those guys suffered broken bones in their leg. And and Scott, I'll let you get into the specifics of that and and what kind of off season they're looking at. 
So yeah, so when I saw video footage of it, um, basically Mariota um, was sacked by a Jaguars defensive lineman. And um, as he was falling down, his uh, right foot was planted, which is always bad. <laughs> that's, that's usually how bad things begin. But his foot was planted and the defensive lineman essentially twisted his lower extremity uh, kind of externally. Um, and the lower leg kind of rotated around the ankle. Um, and that's, that's a pretty classic mechanism for a high ankle sprain. But what can happen sometimes is it's been called basically a fibula fracture. And the fibula is a small, it's a thin bone on the lower leg, um, right next to the tibia, which is the bigger bone. The fibula is, um, it's a small thin bone on the lateral aspect of the lower extremity. Um, it breaks easier. Um, pretty classic when a defensive lineman um, either kind of twists around the lower leg, um, it puts a force on the fibula and can break it. And that can also go along with a high ankle sprain. Not always, but sometimes it does. Um, and when you saw that, looking at the video footage, it was pretty clear that that, you know, was the injury. Um, it looks like the reports are right now that he's not going to be weight bearing for eight weeks. Um, and that that's, typically because it takes about six to eight weeks for radiographic evidence of healing to be confirmed, basically x-rays. Um, and you don't want to rush back too soon because if there's still a fracture on the x-ray that hasn't healed completely, if you come back too soon, it can refracture. Um, it's about a four to five month recovery and his rehab supposed to start in a couple months. Um, and that's pretty typical. If you look at the literature, the rehab, uh, the recovery is typically about 18 weeks especially with high torsional stress and direct trauma like you get with football and soccer. Uh, he didn't have a neurovascular injury, so that's good. Um, you know, when you look at Mariota and his performance, you know, through week 15, he was the QB7 in fantasy. And um, he had a completion percentage of about 62%. Um, and his interceptions were very low. I mean, he was actually, he actually had a lower interception percentage than – Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, and uh, Cam Newton, and Russell Wilson. So I like him a lot. I mean, I think he also has room to grow if, if that pass offense increase, you know, gets better and he has more pass attempts. I think he has room to grow. So I like him a lot. Okay. And I guess from a completely, you know, layman's perspective, I look at the Mariota injury. I look at the car injury. They look similar to me. Uh, they were both described uh, in similar medical terms. And then I see the recovery period for Derek Carr was much shorter. Why was that? Well, first of all, I'm not sure that I buy, I buy that he would have been able to play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I know Derek, Derek Carr had some unkind things to say about Twitter doctors, by the way, um, <laughs> which I can totally understand. Um, because we're not, we're not looking at his MRI scans. We're not looking at his x-rays and we certainly aren't examining him. So I totally get that. Um, you know, when you look at, uh, Carr, he had a very similar injury. Um, his right foot was planted. He his lower leg was twisted by the defender and the defender landed on his ankle. Um, very similar to what happened to Mariota. Um, his initial reports was like a recovery of six to eight weeks. That's, that's really for a conservatively managed high ankle sprain without a fracture. Okay. Um, but if you have a fractured fibula, typically you're looking at a three to four month recovery. I mean, it, uh, maybe he had a very small fracture. Maybe it was non-displaced, very small, but um, you don't want to rush back from those things because if the fracture is not healed, you know, and again, it takes, it, it takes at least uh, six to eight weeks to see radiographic evidence of healing from fracture, from fibular fracture. So, you know, six to eight weeks is kind of the beginning point. Um, but then after that is the, you know, the rehabilitation, getting back into practice. Um, and typically it's, you know, it takes at least three months to get there. Uh, the outcomes are very good, but, you know, I, I personally doubt that he would have been playing in the Super Bowl. It seems like there's really very little reason to rush either of those guys. Uh, you know, back or, or back onto the practice field. Obviously, their seasons are over. Uh, training camp is months and months away. So it sounds like you're saying we really shouldn't have any concern from a dynasty perspective as far as their value. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Carr will come back from this, and I think I don't anticipate that this will be a problem in terms of his ability to perform in the future, no. And, of course, both guys can do all the mental preparation and all those type of things, too. So it seems like that would really be shocking if this derails their, their season next year. Yeah, yeah. B- both of their uh, January ADPs w- was fairly similar to what it had been. Of course, they had been rising over uh, throughout the season as, as they've enjoyed breakout seasons. Uh, I don't think we can even describe those guys as buy low. Uh, I don't think their price is going to drop much. If it does, you know, if you find that in your league, then I would certainly take the chance to buy them at any type of discount that might come. But I don't really think that'll be the case as we head into the off season. Scott, what about AJ green? He's, he suffers this hamstring injury. They, you know, there were, <laughs> there were so many reports, you know, you mentioned Twitter doctors. There were so many reports on this that it was, uh, he was definitely out for the season. Then there was a thought he could return. There was a little bit of, I don't know, it kind of seemed like maybe some bad blood between Green and the uh, the management there in Cincinnati that he wanted to play late in the season, and they, they ruled that out. Uh, talk to us about his hamstring injury. Um, well, hamstring injuries are pretty, pretty common injuries. Um, they can occur for a variety of reasons. Um, typically when you're like for wide receivers, when they're sprinting um, to build up speed, um, their ham- their lower extremity will basically completely extend and then flex, right? And when you completely extend your lower extremity, sometimes what happens, especially if your quadriceps is weaker relative to your, your hamstring, but, uh, sorry, it's the other way around. When your quadriceps are stronger than your hamstrings, which can happen sometimes if guys are doing a lot of kind of leg lifts and their quads are stronger than their hamstrings, what happens is the distal lower the lower extremity kind of more towards the below the knee will kind of pull, extend upward uh, more than it should right and that stretches the hamstring um, like if you think about your quadricep it's a huge muscle and it can actually pull your lower extremity um, instead of being at zero degrees relative to your knee it can actually pull it up a little bit higher in very subtle ways and that stretches your hamstring and so you can get injured that way so that's why a lot of times guys who are sprinters who are you know kind of blazers will have hamstring pulls um and you know for aj green you know he it sounds like he was probably more of a grade two hamstring injury it's my guess you know grade one hamstring injury is um just some small just a few muscle fibers torn minimal loss of strength, range of motion, pretty well intact. That's usually about a three-week recovery. Um, grade two, there's more damage to the muscle and loss of strength. Um, that's typically a four- to six-week recovery. And grade three is a complete tear so, uh, through the muscle, and that's usually three months or longer. I think his recovery timeline is probably more in the grade two category. The risk of a re-injury of hamstrings is about 16%, and that was based on an NFL study. Um, you know... I think he's been durable for the most part of his career. I mean, he had a toe issue a couple of years ago, but um, I'm still a buyer. I'm not worried about the hamstring affecting his long-term performance. I mean, he'll be 29 next year, but I still think he's an elite wide receiver. So it sounds like with that low percentage of, of re-injury, no, no long-term concern with this specific injury at least. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think hamstrings can always be an issue for NFL players. It just goes along with the territory of being a high-performance athlete. But I don't think A.J. Green is that much more at risk than other athletes. Okay. His January ADP is 16. It's actually the exact same ADP as Brandon Cooks, uh, just outside the first round. Uh, we'll just we'll just throw this out right now. If you're choosing, if you're drafting a new team early in the second round, AJ Green or Brandon Cooks. Matt, what about you? I think Green. I still think he's a total superstar, and he was really, really good when he was on the field. Clearly, a number one option. And if health isn't a concern, I don't think age is a concern with him yet. I, I still think he's an elite player. Scott, are you taking Green as well over Cooks? Oh, no doubt. I'm definitely taking Green over Cooks. In fact, I'd rather have Michael Thomas than Cooks. All right, all right. Thomas is uh, oh. Thomas is the next guy. He's uh, just percentage points behind those two receivers. All right, let's stick with the receivers and talk about Tyler Lockett. Um, 
just like the two quarterbacks, he suffered a broken bone in his leg. I think he also uh, dealt with a an, an ankle injury that went along with that. Um, Scott, what's the word on him? Yeah, so when I when I watched the uh, that play, it, it looked like uh, it was amazing. He held on to the ball. Um, you know, you could see him going up and catching the ball, and then what ended up happening was the uh, defender uh, landed on his lower leg, kind of in the middle of his right lower leg and the force was kind of applied to the middle of his right lower leg and if you look subtly it wasn't it wasn't too obvious but to me it looked like kind of underneath the defender you could kind of see his right lower leg bent um sideways in a way that isn't normal um to you know when you look at it's been called the broken fibula and tibia so basically the the tibia is a much bigger bone it tends to be, it's thicker more towards the knee and thinner more towards the foot. Um, and so uh, when in low energy impacts, as is typical in sports, um, typically you get a, a fracture, not in the tibia, not towards the knee, but more towards the foot, okay? The mid part, the mid part or lower. Um, when you, the, the thickest part of the tibia, as I mentioned, is much is higher up towards the knee that in order to fracture that you usually have to have a very high velocity impact, like usually you see with like car accidents. Um, so the in terms of the treatment for that, usually sometimes you can do surgery, but but casting is is you know, with, a, with a conservative approach and non-surgical approach can be some bring similar results. Um, now, Surgery does reduce the risk of poor union of bone or, you know, malunion of bone. Um, and about, and, and there's a higher percentage of athletes that return who have surgery. So there's one study that showed 92% of athletes were able to return from this injury with surgery compared to about 65%, somewhere around there. So, um, and you're looking at the healing for these kinds of fractures in about the 10 to 14 week range. Um, sometimes pain can be, li can limit activity long-term, but um, you know, I think from an injury standpoint, it sounds like he has a reasonable chance of, of returning to play uh, once the bone has kind of healed together. Ryan, Ryan, has the ADP been affected? Cause it's such a new injury. Is that, is it too hard, too early to judge where his ADP fell, you know, fell to? Yeah, he's he's really been on a roller coaster. You know, of course, um, he got the praise of of our buddy Matt Harmon last off season. He became a really hot name in dynasty leagues. I think he he peaked at a uh, a second or maybe an early third round ADP during the off season, and then just struggled most of the year. Uh, was almost a non factor earlier in the season. So his ADP's been slowly dropping throughout the season. And then, you know, just as he was starting to come on, he suffers this injury. His January ADP is 81 overall. Um, so I, I'm still comfortable in that range. Um, he was a guy I was looking to buy before the injury. And, and you know, Scott makes me feel a little bit better about that idea now. So uh, I think he'll still be a target of mine this offseason. But, of course, that price last year was was just – Pretty crazy, yeah. Just pretty crazy, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Scott, let's let's group another couple of players here. Let's look at a pair of tight ends, uh, Jordan Reed and Ladarius Green. Of course, they both have uh, concussion issues, a, a long concussion history, unfortunately. And, and then Reed was also slowed late in the season by a shoulder injury after that uh, huge hit. I believe that was on Thanksgiving night. Um, I think these these are guys, both guys who a lot of dynasty owners are, are just intent on avoiding altogether because of the head injuries. Um, you know, Green even reportedly considered retiring uh, last off season. I, who knows if there's any truth to that? Uh, what what's your update and, and just your general feeling on both these guys? So with Reed, um, you know, he had a concussion and a shoulder separation uh, last season. Um, shoulder separation was called grade three, um, reportedly. If that's the case, then recovery for a grade three shoulder, se shoulder separation is typically six to 12 weeks. So I was pretty amazed that he was even able to get back on the field. Um, 
you know, I, I can't imagine how he was able to play um, with a grade three shoulder separation. Um, but so that was a testament to his toughness. The guy, the guy may have an injury history, but he's a tough guy. <laughs> and, you know, typically with a grade three shoulder separation, athletes can return to play once they have a range of motion and strength is regained. Um, and it usually it's controversial, but most recommend non-operative management, uh, with grades four through six surgery would definitely be needed. Um, you know, he's has, as far as concussions go, obviously he's had multiple concussions. He's had six documented concussions dating back to college. And that's only the ones that have been documented. So he probably has more. That's speculation though. Um, you know, he's had other injuries to his shoulder, obviously his shoulder, hamstring, quadriceps in his career. Uh, since 2013, he's missed 18 games, and he's never completed a full season in his entire career. So he finished as a tight end nine in PPR, despite missing four games in the past year, uh, this this season, and he's still only 27 years old. But I think um, whoever acquires him has to, you better have a better, you better have a pretty good backup at tight end, because it's hard to count on this guy. And I think his longevity is questionable in the NFL. Um, as far as green goes, you know, he had a mist, rather mysterious injury. I mean, it was called a concussion, then it was an ankle injury, and, you know, more recently he's in the concussion protocol. He's had uh, four documented concussions in his career. So, and this is a guy who didn't play a whole lot, you know, uh, before he came to Pittsburgh. He still didn't play a lot in Pittsburgh. Um, and despite that, he's had, you know, four documented concussions. Um, he had one big game, then a couple others that were decent this year. Um you know, I think he's always had potential, but that's the P word. Whether potential isn't good for anything unless you actually reach it. Um, and his best season ever in his career was in 2015 when he had 37 receptions for 429 yards and four touchdowns. That's that's even worse than Gates was last year. So, and everybody's talking like Gates is done. You know, as far as you know, a, a productive fantasy asset. So, you know, I think Green is probably cheap. I think his owners are probably, frankly, tired of him and are willing to get rid of him. You know, I got him in one auction league for a dollar on waivers. So I'm not opposed to, to, to getting him. Uh, I think he's in a great offense. And Matt, you could speak to this much better than I ever could. Um, but, you know, uh, he would be my tight end two, tight end three. I, I get when- whispers around here, though, that he's not exactly ch- chomping at the bit to play through injury either. That wouldn't surprise me. He, yeah. he, if he had this much un, unlimited potential, then even with Gates in front of him, how come he was never used in San Diego? Right, right. I mean, he came out of the, came out of Nevada very raw and all these things. And I know they have big plans for him as a field stretcher, a different tight tight end than it's ever been here in Pittsburgh. But I do know that there's some rumblings that hey, toughen up. So I think with guys like that, with that serious uh injury history i think you just have to ask yourself is it worth it you know is there is there production is there upside their potential whatever you want to consider is that worth the injury risk so it sounds like with jordan reed maybe it is with ladarius green probably not based on what we've seen and one more point to add on that ryan is if you as a dynasty owner acquire either one of these guys you have to be you have to be ready for the fact that you're probably never going to be able to trade them for, you know, people don't guys. And if you take them onto your roster, you better be ready to keep them on there because getting rid of them is going to be hard. That's a good point. Uh, Let's wrap up today with a couple of young, uh, I should say young, maybe in air quotes, young wide receivers, Uh, Kevin White, uh, the second year receiver with the bears and Josh Dotson, the rookie with the Redskins. Uh, Both of these guys did come into the league older than most of their peers. They both dealt with leg injuries throughout their time. Uh, Of course, with Dotson, that's just this first season with Kevin White. It's uh, he missed his entire rookie season and then missed quite a bit of time this year as well. These are both guys that, that I've never been a believer in uh, and, and I've been able to avoid on most of my teams. And then these injuries just, you know, make me feel better about at least about that decision. Obviously hate to see any players deal with injuries. Um, 
Scott, talk to us about each of these guys and their their potential, their long term uh, outlook. Well, as far as Kevin White, the boy, there's been a lot of high ankle sprains and fractured fibulas <laughs> in the NFL this year. That seems to be the injury du jour, but that was his. <laughs> um, and as we mentioned, you know, he did have surgery for it, um, and you know, outcomes are generally good. Eighty-five to eighty-five percent to hundred percent return to sport. Um, takes three to four months. So, but he should, he's already reportedly right. should be ready for OTAs, which kind of goes along the injury timeline. Uh, the guys played four games in two seasons. <laughs> now he had, he had a couple, he had two nice games this year before he got hurt again. Um, you know, with, uh, six receptions for 62 yards and six receptions for 55. So it kind of gave a little bit of a glimpse into what might be. He'll be 25 next year. Um, I'm not a big fan of play of acquiring players who haven't put much on, you know, on tape or on paper um, in fantasy in the first two years. But, um, you know, I think Kevin, they didn't, the organization did invest a lot in him, obviously. And if Jeffrey leaves, I think he could have an opportunity to be the, the number one wide receiver there. Um, and, you know, I, I, if I was going to trade for him, I'd probably trade, a late first maybe, but nothing more than that. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to, I don't think anybody's going to be able to get this guy for a rookie second. I mean, that would surprise me because his owners invested a lot to get him in the first place, probably top five pick. Um, so I guess it depends on price. Um, with Doxson. Real, real quick oh, on White, uh, sorry to interrupt, but it, it, he certainly is going to have opportunity. You know, I, I'd be shocked if Jeffrey's back. And even if he is, I would think White is still pigeonholed to be uh, the clear number two. I mean, I guess he'd be the number two. But my worry with him as a player is he entered the league very raw. You know, I mean, he wasn't a developed route runner. He had only one year of production of WVU. That this time away from the game probably hurts him more than the average bear, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would be concerned about that as well. Yeah, and as far as Doxon goes, um, the guys, it's, it's really interesting when you kind of look into – the course of events over the past year, it's, it's, it sounds like a soap opera or a TV drama on Lifetime. Um, you know, the guy's supposedly has bilateral Achilles uh, tendonitis. He's been out for the year with that. Um, you know, heck, the Jay Gruden, the head coach of, uh, of the uh, Redskins, um, he expressed some frustration and, and uncertainty over the diagnosis. I mean, he was quoted as saying he, they did all these tests and they're not sure what's wrong with him. Um, Chris Cooley, the former tight end, actually questioned uh, Doxon's dedication, which is pure speculation, and it may be kind of a low blow. Um, but, you know, Cooley hasn't been shy about making those kinds of comments in the past. Um, now, when you actually look at Achilles' tendonitis, though, I think Doxon might deserve a little bit of a break here, okay? Um, the Achilles tendon is the largest tendon in the human body, and it's subject to about 6 to 12 times body weight in terms of tensile load. That's a lot. Um, you can have compensatory injuries if one Achilles tendon is hurting you and is painful. Definitely possible you could hurt the other one in trying to compensate. Uh, it is an overuse injury, um, and it can affect strength. You can get – this is in the literature. It says very clearly you can get setbacks if you try to return too soon from Achilles tendonitis or tendinopathy. If you try to return to practice too soon, you can have setbacks. The re-injury rates are, at least in soccer players, have been quoted as 30 to 40%. Um, there's four randomized studies that found 12 weeks of rehab uh, led to a successful return to sport in anywhere from 10% to 86%. Um, and successful return to sport in one year of 55% as a low point and then as a high point, 90%. And those are four individual studies that were looked at as a meta-analysis. Um, now, I'd love to hear Matt's comments on the, the questions on Doxon's dedication to the game, which I think it seems like a low blow, but then again, I'm not an insider. I think from an injury standpoint, um, Achilles tendinopathy or tendinitis is something that can flare up again, and it can take a long time to go away. I mean, you know, like I said, 55%, there's, there's data that shows that return to sport in one year can be as low as 55%. So I think the guy deserves a little bit of a break here. Um, not knowing the full details of the situation, um, I'd be I'd be curious to acquire him if I could get him for like a late first. Um, I think I'd be open to that. 
You got to think either Garcon or Deshaun Jackson is going to be shown the door. They can't bring both of them back. So that opens a lot of room for Doxon. He's a different type receiver. Um, it seems odd that that would come from Cooley. I mean, he's not even with the team. I mean, did one of his buddies on the team tell him that? And then he spit it out to the media. Um, Cooley's always kind of been an outgoing guy anyways. I never heard anything like that about Doxon coming into the league, though, through the draft process when you're super scrutinized. So I have no reason that he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. So, Scott, it sounds like you weren't too concerned long-term with Kevin White and maybe a little more concerned with Dotson, but you're buying both at that late first-round range. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd probably favor um, – probably would slightly favor buying Doxon over White. But it, okay. it really just depends. I think a late rookie first is about the max I would pay for them, and I, I don't think you're going to be able to get them cheaper. No, no, I don't either. Uh, Dotson's ADP is is still hanging pretty tough. He's at 53 overall. Uh, I have done some research that has shown that um, it, even with injuries, even with poor play, you know, we saw that, of course, with – uh, Laquan Treadwell, a, a rookie is, is, in most cases, going to maintain their value from year to from year one to year two. So, uh, if you have Dotson, he probably he, he still has some value. You, you can find a seller if you want to want to move on from him. Kevin White's ADP really plummeted in January. He's down to seventy two overall. So I was I was surprised to see that. Even though I'm not a fan, I know he still has plenty of believers out there and. Uh, you know, that's that's the range where I would even consider taking him, even as a guy who's never drafted him, never rostered him. Ryan, you didn't like Dawson when he was a clean guy coming out of school? No, like I said, he was, he was you know, he's older than his contemporaries. He was older than Coleman and, and Treadwell and those other guys. So, and he, he cost the same um, as far as that fairly early first round pick. So at that point, it was it was an easy choice for me. I think I did actually get – I think I have Dotson on one roster, uh, a Debbie league that I've had him for a couple of years. But in general, he was a guy I was avoiding. Yeah, I hear you. I don't own him anywhere either, but I don't dislike him. I might poke – I might kick the tires on him then. Send, send out mass offers like, like Dwayne said. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we want to thank uh, Dr. Scott Peak for joining us today. And, and before we go, Scott, just tell everyone where they can find your work. Well, yeah, and again, thank you, uh, Matt and Ryan, for inviting me. It's been a true, true pleasure to be on the show with you. Um, and I'm uh, on Twitter at Scott underscore Peak, um, and you know I'm happy to always answer questions and talk uh, Dynasty football. All right, and you can also find uh, Scott's work at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.